Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Oh, same old, same old. Nothing new, nothing happening, nothing shaking, not going anywhere, haven't been anywhere, <laughs> nothing planned. Well, well I, we did talk last week. I came back from McGregor. You did? Yes. Sogeen, yeah. Yep. And uh, planning for the uh, the Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run, third annual. The third, yeah. So we're doing the Noir River in Quebec. And so that's well planning and well and done. And we're, as of this publishing, we're going to be a week and two days away from uh, hitting the water. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exciting. So it's, it's still the same group that we've uh, done with every year. Uh, so uh, it's so I'm excited about that. Um, I am finally, I'm finally cutting up the uh, the old sailboat in my backyard. You're cutting it up? Yeah, disposing of it. Not I didn't trying to sell you, it? I, I didn't. No. Who, nobody's going to want that. Too much work. It's too, Actually, it is too much work. It's uh, So there's too much fiberglass work and the, uh, the, the, the electrical has to be done. All the storage tanks on board have to be done. The, uh, it needs a new either composting toilet or a black water tank and, and proper toilet. Or a seat where you can hang your butt over the Ooh, backside. That would do too, but it's See? slightly illegal. <laughs> I just poop at night. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, it's a northern quarter town built in Ajax, Ontario, and uh, I've had it since 2004. Sailed it for a few years, pulled it out of the water to do some refurbishment work to it. And it never it, did. And never did. Never put it back in the water. I can I can spend seven or eight thousand dollars to uh, refurbish it and get it back to this the condition that I want it, or I could buy a new one for seven grand. So, but this one has sentimental value. Well, it's half missing now. Oh. <laughs> I've, I've been taking a sawzall to it. Is, is it on, it's not on a trailer, right? It's on a lift, a skid. It's a so you uh, basically the the boat lift comes in, scoops it up, and carries it away, right? Right. But it's on a it, it's called a crib. Yeah. So it's on a crib. But no, it's like I'm thinking a trailer. So you can at least get some money from the trailer. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm collecting all the metal pieces. I'm right. going to see if I can sell some of the winches and so on. And, and maybe somebody might want the mast, but otherwise like the mast and the boom and all that stuff, it's all solid aluminum, right? Or not solid. It's all aluminum, pure aluminum. So I'm going to go to the scrappers and, and see what I get. I'm, I don't know what they would do. Like the you keels, could also put a flagpole up in your front yard. I could. Right. I could run the rigging and. There you go. <laughs> Every day. There is there is that possibility. Hoist your pants up the, <laughs> the front of the yeah. house. <laughs> so you can see it's, uh, I call it my uh, my cutaway view. <laughs> oh, so the whole top is gone. The whole, well, most of the top, uh, three quarters of the top is gone. Wow. Yeah. And where are you disposing it? How do you dispose of a boat? Uh, you put it into a dumpster and then haul it to the uh, landfill. Really? Yeah. I figured you'd like empty everything out, take it out on the Lake Ontario and make a reef out of it. Oh, if it if only you could, it'd be so much cheaper, right? Yeah. It's uh, but it's it's slightly illegal to just go out in the lake and sink your boat. Give a place for all the, the zebra mussels to go to. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's create a natural reef for the zebra mussels. They yeah. need a place. Yeah. Get them away from the uh, power plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just put it offshore from the power plant, so all the zebra mussels will go there instead. Yeah. Of clogging up all the intake valves and pipes and. And whatnot. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. See? <laughs> I'm a legend yeah. in my own mind. 
<laughs> I actually tried to start cutting up early in the summer, but it was whoa too hot. When you're in 30 degree weather, you can't be out there with a sawzall and chopping up fiberglass. No, no, no. It's, no. it's nasty. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you get the kids to do it. <laughs> I know you're 10, but it's about time you learn to use a saw. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's unfortunate because it is a, I don't know how significant the boat is, but it is a northern quarter ton built in Ajax, Ontario, 1976. Never heard of it. Yeah. So there's obviously there was a factory here. You should have checked it out before you started cutting it. Maybe it had historical value <laughs> and maybe you could have got more than seven grand for it. No, I looked online. Uh, I found a few of them that were already refurbished for seven grand. Oh. It's like, oh. Like, you you need some, to contact these people and say, hey, do you need any parts? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I should. I got some parts. <laughs> I'm, yeah, a lot of the rigging and stuff I'm going to save. Right. Like the ropes are obviously, everybody's going to replace the ropes. But uh, a lot of the running gear and stuff, it's uh, it should be in fairly good condition. It's, uh, it's it's uh, well, they're they're designed to uh, all weather, right? So, yeah. And all the, all the winches and everything are still in perfect condition. What about the sail? Do you still have a sail or no? I still have uh, the main sail, the... Uh, I have a jib and a Genoa, and I have a, uh, what's it called? It's the big billowy one. I can't remember. The, the, like I know so sailing. <laughs> I'm a canoeist. What yeah. do I know about sailing? I still have the outboard, too. It has an outboard, but uh, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely keep that. Yeah. You like an aluminum boat. <laughs> just in case you get a new yeah. sailboat not to use. Yeah. But it was one of those projects that just never got off the ground. See, you could have sold it. For like three, four hundred dollars, and put that towards a new canoe. There you go. You never thought of that, did you? <laughs> There's probably about. Uh, I, I'm guessing there could be over five hundred dollars in in going to the scrap metal dealer. See, so there's. You could have said, "As is, thousand bucks." Yeah, <laughs> you come and get it, <laughs> or as is free, just take it away. No, because then you wouldn't get any money. But a thousand bucks. I mean, there's. But they would save me the hassle good- cutting it up. There's there yeah, but if somebody were coming and buy it for a thousand bucks, there's money towards a new canoe. Yeah, that eighteen footer that you want. <laughs> Could have got a used used canoe yeah. for a thousand dollars. Just <laughs> trade your big boat for a small one. There you go. Something more practical. Who's got a canoe they want to trade for a sailboat? <laughs> oh, half a sailboat now. So who's got yes. half a half a <laughs> canoe <laughs> for half a sailboat now? <laughs> Give you a paddle for it. There you go. Uh, that's it. That's all you're doing. Uh, for now. Alrighty. There's lots of other stuff to talk about, but I don't want to talk about it on air. <laughs> As per our previous conversation before it's we recorded. It's been a busy week. Derek and I have not had a great week. And it's, you know, not even the end of the week yet. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I got back. Tracy and I went to Bice Lake. Ah, yes. We went back to Bice Lake. I love that campsite you guys always go to. I've had that campsite so many times. Yeah. I just make a beeline for it. Yeah. So when we, we went and got the permits, um, I was asking the, I always ask like how many people are going in, you know, how many are going in today? How many are already there? Just a, so I know, you know, if there's already a ton of people there. Chances are I'm not getting this site. Yeah. But you know, if a lot, if, if it's eight in the morning and I'm first at the permit office and then, you know, oh yeah, later on today or tomorrow people are coming in. There's a good chance I'm getting that. Site. Yes, if you go in on a Thursday or something, yeah. Yeah, but she's saying a lot of people hit the southern side because they want the islands sites. Mm-hmm. But there's like six sites right there. Yeah. One of the sites this past week had uh, a f- one or two families. I counted at least six people. Oh, yeah? There, yeah. And there was a baby. Nice. 
Um, there was another site they had two kids and another site had a couple of kids and, and they weren't, none of them were together. Oh. So yeah, I'm glad we weren't over by the islands. Let's just <laughs> put it that way. So when I went on my solo trip in June. Oh yes, 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 yes. High heat. Yeah. Uh, crowds. People carrying bags of ice on people portages. People carrying bags of ice on portages. The noise. Mm-hmm. Non-stop noise, even into the into the night. Yeah. Like we we're talking midnight. Huh. You could still hear, it was, it was like party central. Hmm. Uh, the busy portages with no etiquette whatsoever. Destroyed campsite. Yeah. You know, I got to that campsite and it was absolutely destroyed. You had to rebuild the fire pit. I had to rebuild the fire pit. Why would somebody take apart a fire pit? Uh, it doesn't make sense. does not make sense at all. Just pure huh. destruction. Yeah. That's all it was. Uh, my hammock ripped. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got no fish. Yeah. There was no fish. How about last weekend? I didn't have a hammock because everybody sold out. Oh. And there was no fish. <laughs> now, when we were coming, you know it's a bad sign and you regret asking when you're going in and all these canoes are coming out mm-hmm. and they've all got fishing rods sticking out the back. Oh, what'd you catch? Where were you? We were on Ralph Bice. What'd you catch? Nothing. Uh. How long were we there? Four days, five days, <laughs> three days, two days. What'd you catch? Nothing. What'd you catch? Nothing. Any luck? Nope. Well. So it didn't bode well from before we were even there. <laughs> but that did not stop me from trying. <laughs> so the high heat from June, we traded for rain. Oh, it rained, did it? Oh, it rained and it rained and it rained. <laughs> and when it was done raining, it rained some more. <laughs> it was great. But rain can be nice. I like camping in the rain. I took the rain. I take the rain over that heat any oh, day. Oh yeah. Week. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So it rained when we were going in, mm-hmm. and I had I had put a post saying I hate setting up and tearing down in the rain. Yeah. Right. Those are the two things. I should also amend that comment to. And when you got to go do your business on the Thunderbox, oh yeah, and there's a little thunderstorm going on, yeah, I hate that too. <laughs> so, you know, um, well, we got to our site. The first thing we did, I took out, I got a big Noah's, a Kelty Noah's tarp, yeah, set that up, and we sat in there for a few minutes before we got and had some munchies and stuff like that. It doesn't take you too long to get in. That's why it's, I think that's why it's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Lake to to drive there to the put in is it's a bit of a bit drive. of a drive. Yeah, and it's being used quite a lot by logging uh, logging right now. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, so yeah, so we set that, up and then when, then it stopped raining. It was just a misty sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we set up our tent and everything else. Got everything all set up and um, did a little just exploring and. All that, getting everything all situated, our food barrels and our kitchen and and all that. So it was a pretty pretty easy day in. Crowds weren't as bad going in. Everybody was coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple a couple people going in. Noise level was way down. I can imagine way down. Since the early season, it was the early season campers who didn't have access to front country yeah. camping. Who oh, were- they're still there though. Yeah, yeah, but not yeah. as not the numbers that as it was. A lot of people no. are back to work. A lot of you know, it's there's a lot of right now. Anybody who is going back to school, college, university, whatever, they're all gearing up for that. So you know, there's you know, regardless of the conditions and the state of the 
province right now, there's still, it's a busy time of year. People yeah. are not camping as much. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get into that comment in, in a minute. Uh, but we were up the, the, the Friday or Thursday night when we get in there. And even the, the Friday night, there's a big rock outside that you can go stand on in front of the site mm-hmm. and pitch black and not a voice to be heard. Yeah. Nice. Such a difference from yeah. June. Huh. And I mean, this is only two months because it was yeah. the end of June that I went yeah. and now the end of August. Yeah. Right. So only two months. I mean, what a difference. Uh, the portages were busy. Um, not like crazy, busy. crazy, like mm-hmm. so many people, but there was still some bad etiquette. Uh, a couple of people blocking, hmm. um, as we're moving our gear to the, down towards the water, there was a canoe just finishing loading. So we're moving our gear there. And as we're about to grab our canoe and zip on down to then put our canoe in the water, couple other people, young, young people mm-hmm. come straight down past all of us and just throw their canoes there into the huh. water. Yeah. And like, um, hello. Yeah. And then they proceed to start, you know, getting out their water bottles and drinking and so blocking the portage. So just, you're not in a rush, but you're going to use the, the opening. Yeah. yeah you know, and it's like, yeah. So huh. wasn't impressed with that. Um, coming, coming in. Uh, there was a couple of guys that were in quite the hurry. And so there was a couple of canoes coming out. Uh, we were just waiting for one of the moose so that we could put our stuff in. So we yeah. put our stuff in and I got a couple of bags I'm putting in. Dude's handing me my paddles. <laughs> Dude, I've got two more bags to put in. Like, <laughs> well, piss maybe, off. Maybe he thought he was being helpful. Oh, no, he was, he was too much of a hurry. Yeah. He, he, uh, he was a, he was a canoe snob. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, like, really? Uh, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. Yeah, you don't Especially touch other people's gear. You, you, you look where, I'm, where I've just come from with the, the one bag. Yeah. You look right where I took it from. There's, There's still two other more bags. bags to come, yeah. So, anyway, I just did. No, I still got stuff. I was, yeah. yeah, anyway. Uh, but there was an incident. <laughs> I'm turning into a crotchety old fart, I'm telling you. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I mean, there was bad, there was a couple of, of, of etiquette issues, but not as bad as, as June. Mm-hmm. Campsite was fairly decent, although, um, somebody did let their dog crap all over the place. Oh and, no. Uh, actually we met people that were on our site. They'd stayed there the one night and he says, if you're up by the Thunderbox, there's a rock, don't move it. It's marking a big pile of dog crap. And so they, and then there's other stuff we just flicked into the bush and, yeah. and whatnot they said. And I'm just like, oh, really? Oh, man. So whoever let their dog crap all over the, the campsite and didn't pick yeah. it up, kudos to you. And the only person that's worse, the, the people, I, I, uh, I'm irked by the people who don't pick up after their dog. But what I find even worse is the people who pick up after their dog and then just leave the bag of dog poop there. It's yeah. like, I bagged it. It's like, well, you got to take it away too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, presents. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like a mint on yeah. the pillow when you get a <laughs> little green dog do bag yeah. at your site. Yeah. yeah. I hate to tell you. It's always it's very just, disappointing when you find bagged dog poop on yeah, a trail. It's not the same. Uh, again, no hammock this trip. Uh, I've been trying to buy Aww. one and they're sold out everywhere. I think I've got six or seven at uh, home. Yeah. <laughs> Up yours, buddy. <laughs> uh, no fish. I tried every trick, every... 
Yeah. I'm wondering if the pressure on this lake has just gotten so bad. Yeah, that there's just too many people. It because be I tight. tried every trick. What's the, in the water book. temperature? Warmer at the top, but I was right near the bottom. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I did everywhere. You dropped it down. Yeah. 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 Um, we know there's certain spots where we've always caught on that lake. Mm-hmm. And and they weren't producing? Not at all. Hmm. Not at all. So I don't know if maybe just the fishing pressure because so many people are going in. It's probably a combination. Know. It's the water temperature, fishing pressure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's time of year. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's the temperatures are starting to drop. Like, you know, usually the best times of year, like spring, late fall type thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And when I tried uh, back in June there, it was so hot. That yeah. That's what I put it down to heat. Yeah. Right. So when we did buy our permit... Um, uh, the girl said that there has been a higher, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a, a higher bear presence, bear presence throughout the park, yeah, especially around campsites. Hmm. And I, again, I put that, I would just put that down to the new inexperienced people Leave. Having dirty sites. Plus a combination. I would I would count that, but I would also count the fact that it was a really hot summer. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pressure for the bears to come out of the deep woods out to the lakes. And, you know, there's, there's probably, with the heat, I don't know what the berry production would be like. I know when yeah. up in, uh, up in uh, Tomogamy, the... The berries were grown crazy. It was it was warm, but it was it's northern, so it would be an easier growing crop for blueberries and raspberries yeah. and blackberries. But down south here, it was pretty warm. Blueberries were all gone because there was a couple bushes on the site, and they were all gone. Yeah. So whether they were People. picked or, yeah. or whatever. However, when I was there in June, there was squirrels around. Yeah. None of them were coming running up or anything like yeah. that. This week, there was a very habituated, aggressive oh. chipmunk, two mm-hmm. of them. And they were coming right up. Yeah. So you put something down. You you couldn't put something down. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we, we got pictures where I turn around and boom, he's in my cereal or he's trying yeah. to get in my coffee cup or he's, you know, hanging wow. over a pot. You know, I've, I, I've finished, we, we made dinner and there was a pot still sitting on my, my stove. And you look over, and next thing you know, you see these this head and his feet are right off the ground. He's hanging off the side of the pot. Wow. Trying to get into the pot. Huh. That did not happen in June. Yeah. So in two months, those squirrels that are trained. All has the, become yeah. that habituated yeah. to free food. Yeah. And I made a point of saying, don't feed him anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Because it doesn't that's matter what, how cute they yeah. are. Like they have to learn to feed themselves. Once you once you habituate them, they they like. I wonder if those things have been taking food back for storage over winter, or if they yeah. felt the food is so plentiful that they don't have to worry about it. They're just eating it there. This I winter, think they're, they're gonna, storing it. But I would hope so. Because, you got to wonder uh, how much of it is going to yeah. last. And it's the wrong kind of food. It's not the kind of food yeah. that they're used to eating. Like they're not used to eating like uh, granola bars and stuff like that. It's it's yeah. the wrong diet, right? Definitely. Now again, it was only the chipmunks. It wasn't the squirrels. The squirrels oh, yeah. were still up in the trees yeah. getting all their their cones and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I did have a mouse run up my pant leg <laughs> outside. On the outside. On. <laughs> <laughs> on the, uh, we're sitting there around the fire and all of a sudden, well, hello, <laughs> up my pant leg, jumped over because I was sitting beside the barrel, Yeah, jumped over onto the barrel and then off the other side. I'm like, well, that's a... 
Good thing that was a mouse and not a snake. <laughs> that would have had a disastrous my, my, effect. <laughs> good thing I was wearing the brown pants. Yeah, good thing I was wearing those brown pants when that snake came up. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the chipmunks, I was not too happy about that. Hmm. They're cute to see, but... And we didn't see any bears or anything like that. Three times there was massive crashes in behind oh. uh, the, the campsite way back. But with everything being so wet and having that much yeah. rain and, and some wind and stuff. Could be trees falling. It could I be was moose it was walking. Just, it could yeah. be anything. Yeah, we never put much stock in. Could it, be really so. fat chipmunks from eating all the campers' food. Yeah, that's probably exactly what it was. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, standing on the stone at night and no... No sounds. Mm-hmm. No sounds. That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Saturday, there were some kids. Okay, this is where... <laughs> you know the old saying, the old guy steps out of his yard and starts yeah, waving. Off my yard. Get the F off my lawn. <laughs> so there were a, two canoes, four young kids. And you could tell they were all rentals and, you know, everything. Yeah. All their... Um, life jackets match, and yeah. there's the the outfitter sign yeah. on the front of the boat, and all this. They're coming down, and you could hear them across the lake, mm-hmm. like they were loud, and they were blaring their music. Oh, wow, nice! So I walked out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just got me out the wrong time because it was it was so. Nice. Yeah. It was quiet. We're just relaxing. A friend, Peter Romain, came up. Yeah. You know Peter. Yeah. Uh, he decided he was going to come on Friday and spend a couple days with us. Cool. So the three of us are, you know, just sitting there chatting, having a nice day. Him and I went out and did some fishing. It was a nice day. And then you hear these yahoos coming up. And uh, so I just went out in the rock. I said, you know, some people come up here to listen to the sounds of nature. If I wanted to listen to that being there. Music. Radio and music. And yeah. I would have stayed in the city. And they said, oh, our bad. I turned around. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I walked back up. <laughs> now get off my lawn. <laughs> That's a cranky old man. <laughs> and Tracy's like, because everybody's thinking it, right? Yeah. Everybody's thinking it like, yeah. oh, my God, these guys are coming up the lake and they're paddling and they're blaring their music. <laughs> So I'm the cranky old guy that, you know, just went out there and said, hey, you. (laughs) (laughs) So if that was you, (laughs) you're listening to this show. A, don't do that. A little bit quieter. I'm really skeptical that those kids would be listening to this show. Yeah, you never know. (laughs) But now you know. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason why I yelled at you. (laughs) So. Uh, and there was a barred owl. Oh, nice. Right. You always hear them down the shore or across the lake or something. It was right behind our site Mm -hmm. doing this, who cooks for you? (laughs) Right? Because that's what it's like. Who cooks? Who cooks for you? That's his call, right? And he was right there. Four o'clock every morning. Oh, yeah? Nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the squirrels started at 4.30. The birds started at 5. They got this whole timing thing going on in in nature, man. (laughs) I tell you. Everybody's looking at their little Rolexes out yeah. there. Okay, cue the owl. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Peter Peter came up for, for a couple of days there. And, uh, um, you know, he's, like you say, he's, he's into the, more into the hiking stuff and that. But he's yeah. gotten into the, into the canoeing, yeah. canoe tripping and stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, we went out and did some fishing with him. And 
just ch- chatted and sat around the fire and everything like that and had a good time. Nice. Tracy. Let's talk Tracy for a moment. Tracy did the um, Paddle Like a Girl weekend with Tori Baird. Yeah. Had a blast. Learned a bunch of new things. So this weekend, it was, uh, let's just get Tracy to do a few things and Mm -hmm. help her build her skills, right? Yeah. So she learned how to use the platypus uh, gravity water filter. Okay. Right? Showed her, you know, you scoop up the water, and when you plug this part in, it goes through the filter, and then it goes through the other one into the clean water, like dirty water bag, clean water bag. Mm -hmm. And if it clogs up, then you flip the, unplug the filter, flip it around to, you know, wash it it through there and flip it back and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, she learned how to use the MSR whisper light stove, the white gas one. You know, you pump it so many times yeah. and she's not too keen on the, uh, pre-warmer though, mm-hmm. because you turn it on for a second, some gas goes to the bottom, you turn it off, you light that and you get this big ball of yes, flame. A big yellow ball of flame. Yeah, yeah. That heats up the, the stove and then eventually it starts boom, boom. Yeah. Gives a couple little puffs and yeah. turns into the blue flame and that's when you turn yeah. everything on, right? Not too big on that. <laughs> but she did that. Friday, uh, Peter and I went out We Friday uh, evening. We went out and did some fishing. Came back, and as we're getting all cleaned up and ready to go, turned around, started a fire all by her lonesome. Oh, right on. So, yeah, it was nice to yeah. turn around and, oh, who started the fire? Becoming independent. That's yeah. nice. You know, That's learning, learning that. She, so she, she, well, I had had everything all set up, ready to go anyway. Yeah. So she just had to light the, yeah. the paper, that sort of stuff, the birch bark there. And, um, but still she got that going and mm-hmm. added the little sticks to get it going some more yeah. and, you know, uh, what else? Helped make all the meals. Cause usually she's like, you know, it's faster for me just to do this. Yeah. So she had a hand in making the meals. And she got to do some solo paddling out in the bay because we have that little cove that's yeah. at that site. Yeah. So yeah, she's doing some some paddling through there and showing her. You know, you got to turn your her big thing. And we realized it, and it's never really occurred to me when you buy a paddle, mm-hmm. you're thinking of the blade shape, the blade size, yeah, the height of the paddle. Okay. How often do you consider the actual handle? The length of the handle? The, no, the like the size of the handle. The paddle, like the end, the uh, part you, your hand is on. Yeah, so I do. I do consider that when I every time I buy a paddle because I like my fingers to touch when I'm grabbing it. Type yeah. thing. So it's well, like, we buy. I've, I've bought a couple just for them because they're up yeah. front and they just whatever. No one does she have small rest of the hands, families. Well, she's only what four foot one or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think she's like five foot three, five mm-hmm. foot four. But so everything's high and the blade's perfect and all that. But the handle is so big that she can't it's awkward quickly. Bit, yeah, it impedes how much she turns mm-hmm. when she's doing her like J stroke yeah. and stuff. So it's only almost only going flat. Yeah, she can't get that full like rudder style sort of yeah thing. So I gave her my beaver tail paddle. Oh, pff, what a difference! Yeah, right. So so I'm gonna sand all all that down some. Yeah, cut cut it down a bit and sand it a bit and give her a better grip on the end there and uh, yeah. Uh, so she did some solo practice, paddling practice, and got the hang of a few things. Peter and I are up there, and, and you're telling her, "Oh no, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this," and she's not, and, you, and you're just sitting on shore, going, "Oh, for crying out loud!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at Peter. But at one she's point. new. You got to give her oh, time. Oh, she is new. You got to give her time. I'm saying, okay, so pick a spot on that far shore and aim for it. 
And then she's going there and she only goes, comes up towards where we are on this point and then turns around and goes back. And I'm like, where are you going? Well, I figured this far enough. I said, no, no, I said, pick a point on that point over there and head to that. And then you turn around and come all the way back. And I look at Peter and I'm like, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> and he's, he doesn't want to say anything, but you, <laughs> he, he just smiles, right? And you're looking at him and you know, he's thinking, Nope, I'm not, not getting. I'm not, not you. part of this. Not you, but I'm not getting into this. <laughs> I'm not throwing myself you're, under the bus. You're my brother, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, she also got to portage the canoe across an actual portage, yeah. right? Um, this is all new stuff for her, eh? This is all new stuff yeah. for her. Yeah. So getting her in, letting her do more of that sort of stuff, which was cool. Uh, she had a blast. Really enjoyed it. She always does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, now that she's getting out there and. And getting into it and learning the new things and stuff. Food. Two new things I brought. Because I just I go through Sobeys now, like the grocery store, and thinking, what can I bring rather than the regular old regular olds? Mm -hmm. And you know, I I did some dehydrated stuff and whatnot. And if you're if you have dehydrated food, and I don't know why I never do it, I get an algae, and I put the food in. Yeah, and then pour hot water in, close it, and let it sit for an hour or two. Yeah. And it's never fully. Lorianne March's book, Fork in the Trail, it says right in it, before you go in the morning, let it soak. put it in an algae, mm-hmm. put your water in, tighten it, put it in your gear, and let it rehydrate all day. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what a difference. Yeah. I've been eating <clears throat> semi- rehydrated food for years. Siobhan's always done that. It's like, like usually around noon, like, because we always have dehydrated, like onions and, you know, whatever vegetables and whatever we dehydrate for the trip. And around yeah. lunchtime, she just throws it into an algae and then lets it sit for the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I did it, I think about 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then by, yeah, like five o'clock, everything was, you'd swear I'd just taken it out of the fridge. Yeah. Siobhan always right? does that. Yeah. She's, uh, for me, I, uh, she does it because of the kids, right? Right. Got to rehydrate some vegetables. I've got to be vegetables in the kids' food. For me, I would just have like a sidekick and some tuna and I'm good. Yeah. It's like, why am I wasting time rehydrating beans and peas and, and corn or whatever, right? It's, uh. <laughs> vegetables are for losers. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, I, I have other stuff to do with my time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I did that. But I was going through and yeah, first couple of days you always bring meat. Right? Absolutely. You, you freeze it. And yeah. You, you know, bring it in the first, even the first day, maybe you don't freeze whatever's yeah. cold. Second day, by the time the second dinner, whatever was frozen is yeah. now thawed, but still, yeah. you know. In the international section, they have these little foil bags with sauce in them. Okay. Right? So you cut your cube up chicken yeah. at home. You put it in a Ziploc bag, take the air out, and you freeze it. So you got this ball of chicken. Yeah. Right? Two chicken breasts. And then by the time you get to camp, it's whatever, night, second night or whatever, it's thawed. Yeah. You put it in the pot, brown it, you open this bag of sauce, pour it in, and you've got buttered chicken. Huh. Right? Nice. We brought in a couple of non breads mm-hmm. and we had buttered chicken and non bread for dinner. Nice. First night. They also have a teriyaki version. Yeah. So I got the the cut up beef, right? It was thawed the second night. Yeah. Browned that, add the teriyaki sauce to it, 
and get one of those, you know, those sidekicks you can micro the 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 rice ones that oh, you yes. microwave. Exactly. Yep. I put water in a pot, not mm-hmm. very much, just enough. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like a, like a half inch or whatever. Yeah. Pour one of those in because the water stops it from burning. Yeah. Just mix it till it's hot. Yeah. You don't need a microwave. You can do it in a pot. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we had teriyaki chicken or beef, I should say, with beef rice. rice. Beef and rice teriyaki. Yeah. yeah. Just something you, you get tired of the same yeah. stuff all the time, right? Yeah. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. I also got that brand new um, 30 liter food barrel. Okay. I yeah. call it a food barrel because that's what I wanted it for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's our kitchen. Yeah. That's our kitchen barrel now, right? Yeah. And I got that from uh, Canadian Outdoor Equipment uh, Co op there and bought that, put all our food into that. And the plan was to put my pots and everything in there too. But there wasn't quite enough room for that because apparently <laughs> we were eating like kings on this trip. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if I cut it down proper, I could have put, put my pots in there and stuff mm-hmm. like that and um, just had one kitchen barrel. Yeah. And, yeah, so I did the, the, the butter chicken with the naan bread and the teriyaki beef with rice. Yeah. And really good, so too. So you're like glamping. Yeah. Like <laughs> in the back country. Like, yeah. And you know what? For the first two nights, if I was on a big trip with somebody, I would do that again. Because it wasn't all that heavy. It was simple and easy. It really was yeah. simple and easy. Especially first night, just throw that in a pot, brown it, add that, let it simmer for five mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. And you're done. <laughs> Filling. Let me tell you. When they say you do two chicken breasts, not three, because of course they sell you three. Yeah. Yeah, just do the two. Don't leave that third, but wrap it up and put it in the freezer and cook yeah. it another day. That's too much so, chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we went in Thursday, came out Sunday, packed up Sunday morning. Um, we're in no big hurry to get out. And of course the number of, and I'll go back to this comment that you made, you know, people are busy going back to work and school. The people coming in, you would swear it was Friday. Coming in on Sunday. Coming in on a Sunday. Yeah. Wow. The number of people, and we're asking, Hey, where are you headed? Where are you headed? Everybody was headed to Bice Lake. Yeah. In groups. Yeah. I do not want to know what that lake sounded like (laughs) Sunday night. Yeah. Can you imagine? There was so many, <laughs> so many people going in. So, yeah, you know, like, um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so we got out to, of course, you go Bice Lake, um, Hambone, Hambone Lake, and then the Magnetowan. Yeah. We fished Magnetowan for a while, and I didn't catch anything. <laughs> um, Loon popped up next to us. Oh, nice. Yeah. A couple of times, Loon popped up. Trace got some couple of decent shots. And then, yeah, you know what? So, yeah, you know what? We're calling it and headed on in and loaded up the truck and headed on home. It was great. Yeah. Had a fun time. Perfect. Yeah. Tracy learned some stuff, got some relaxed time. And that's the thing about the rain. When you're sitting under a tarp, it forces you to relax. Yes. You right? sit there and listen to the rain pitter patter. Yeah. Because and- my thing is, okay, I'll get camp set up. Also, okay, I'm going out for a paddle. I'm going out to do some fishing. We're going exploring. We're going here. 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 Yeah. And you don't actually just sit on your butt and do nothing, yeah. right? Because even at nighttime, like you're, you got the fire going, you're making dinner, you're making yourself a drink, or you know you're getting ready for bed, and you're getting your your headlamp, you're cutting some more wood because everybody's chit chatting. There's gotta, always something going. There's on. There's always something going. On. You're mm-hmm. not just sitting there. Okay, I'm going to read a book or mm-hmm. Tracy brought knitting, oh, or yeah? crocheting, I guess it was. So she was. Yeah. We're sitting there chit chatting, and she's a. You know, doing her crocheting stuff and that. So, yeah, the rain definitely makes you settle down and relax for a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was good. 
Definitely awesome. go again. Good weekend. Yeah. I do have a question I want to circle back to. Yeah. So you were saying uh, when the filter gets clogged, how do you clean the filter? How do you backwash the filter? So there's a white tube that comes from the dirty water yeah. bag into yeah. the top of the filter. Yeah. And there's a tube that goes from the bottom into the clean filter. Yeah. So you unplug both tubes, turn the filter around. So the there's water that cool. goes into the clean side. Yeah. But is back flushing the filter. So it's now shooting all that dirt yeah. out the way it came in. See, I think you might want to revisit that. It's worked every time. I know it works every time. So first I'll tell you what I do, then I'll tell you my concern with your method. What I do is, so I go from the dirty bag to the clean bag. Mm -hmm. When it slows down, I put the clean bag up high and just let it flow backwards in the dirty bag and dump whatever comes up. You see all this brown water come out in the dirty bag. Yeah, see, I just let that brown water go onto the ground. Yeah, but if you turn it around and you put the clean end of the filter into the dirty bag, you're taking the dirty water into the clean end of the filter with Guardia and whatever, and then when you turn it back around again, there could still be some that makes it into the clean bag. But see, when I turn that around, I let it all go out for a while. Yeah. Like a good liter. Which is fine through. if you let it flush properly. Yeah, and then when I turn it back around, yeah. I let another liter go through to make sure it's yeah. going through. So I, I've run one liter backwards and one liter yeah. forwards going through it. I never let the clean side touch the dirty bag. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've done it your way as well where you just turn it back and then turn it back. Yeah. And I find six, six one happens. Yeah. Because sometimes there's not enough water in the clean bag Yeah. to flush Mm-hmm. In back into the dirty bag. Half the time, when the filter I find with the uh, with the two bag system, if, is most of the time, if, if if you have a bad flow, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just because it's starting to get clogged up. But uh, often it's uh, just because the it's air locked, and yeah. so uh, see, I see. I've I've only ever yeah. found that it's because it's clogged. Yeah, and it usually happens as it's starting. Yeah, like you just can't get it to start. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my main thing is before I plug the clean bag in, yeah. I wait till the stream's coming out first, yeah. right? Yep. So you you hook the dirty bag up with the filter. And let it get a good and flow. And let it go full. And then you plug the, yeah. the clean bag good in. flush, yeah. But that's usually when the problem is, yeah. is it's just not going through. Mm -hmm. So you do the flip over, you wash yeah. out the filter, you put it back in, and you get a really nice. Yeah. But like I say, you got to let that water go through. You got to let it flush for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I understand your concern. Yeah. But I, I'm, and I tend to be overly cautious. Nobody's died yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Still early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you understand my concern. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. 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 That's why I let everybody drink first. <laughs> Here, drink this. No, you're still alive. Feeling good? All right. I need some water too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bacardi Breezers. Remember the old Bacardi Breezers? I think I remember them. It's like yeah. a cooler type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know they come in big one liter plastic containers? I did not know that. I figured that one out because Tracy brought one home and said, I thought we could bring this. Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because huh. trying to find anything that's plastic because you can't take glass. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So she brings a big, buy this big uh, tropical orange or something like this. Tastes like creamsicles. Okay. It's a creamsicle Bacardi Breezer. Cool. Well, that's a treat. But it was like a, a liter of it. Yeah. Awesome. 
You bought a couple bags of ice to keep it cold? I did. Yeah. <laughs> a, big, a big cooler. A big cooler. A big plastic with wheels. cooler. <laughs> Toting that down the portage. <laughs> it was awesome. And a built, awesome. And a built-in stereo and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Went by some site. Some guy came railing out. Get off my lake! Ah. <laughs> uh, you have been Googling. Ah, I have. You've been Googling a couple little things here. Yes. Let's talk about... Now, this one... I like this one because this sort of expands on the get out to nature because yeah. it's good for you. It, yeah. It expands on the get your kids out there. Get your kids experienced interacting and exposed to nature. It's uh, it, it's along the same lines. Like, the, it's... This is like you want them, your kids to start early, but it's along the same lines of like uh, uh, Chicago Adventure Therapy Cat. Mm-hmm. You know, getting kids more experienced in the backcountry, learning, and but on this this here thing that I found, it talk they actually did a study on it, and uh, so they're comparing like twins and family members who are split up, or or just kids that are rural and kids that are city and kids that are country and stuff like that. So it gives you an idea of. Uh, developmental skills and expanding the mind and being aware of the outdoors right so this is something that uh like you did with your kids and uh, now like my kids are very young and i'm getting them out more and mm-hmm. and you know it's uh they, they obviously like it like the year round winter or summer my kids are always asking to go camping right right so what i found was uh so it's uh i, I, I didn't look too deep into who did the study but it was published in plus medicine magazine yeah, it, they did it over in Belgium. Yes. East Flanders, Belgium. Yes. So it's uh, it's it has to do with, uh, so I'm just going to read this line here, residential green space and child intelligence and behavior across urban, suburban, and rural areas in Belgium, a longitudinal birth cohort study of twins. So what they're doing is they're, they're measuring or they're doing a study on the developmental process of children when they are or are not exposed to green spaces. And so the primary thing here is we're not talking country, but they were talking like, uh, let's say you live in a, in a downtown core and there's lots of park space. So you can go out and run on grass and throw the Frisbee and, and play in the outdoors and whatever. Right. As opposed to kids who are living in a high rise and, and they don't have access to a park or trees and grass and stuff like that. So it's, it's from there. And plus there's, it, it includes many different outdoor access points and so on. And it includes a lot of, uh, like multiple births, twins and, and, uh, so on a whole bunch of words that I can't even pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what they found is that, uh, it, it, and this is, we've talked about this ever since we started the podcast and it's uh, I think we're both along the same lines is get your kids outside, get them familiar with the outdoors. Don't let them, you know, like I grew up and the joke was, uh, you know, the city kids, they hang out at the drugstore and, and, uh, you know, play music and, you know, skateboard and ride their bikes and stuff like that. They don't really learn the outdoors. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas other kids who get out and are in like, uh, summer camp programs and out canoeing and out in the exposed the outdoors and and not just to the summer but uh like uh, i get my kids out like 12 months a year into like parks we uh you know we have a year pass for ontario parks we have a year pass for the cloca park system and so we always get them out they're always out there playing in the snow playing in the rain and stuff like that and and so it's i think it's important for their development and when i saw this study it's like oh that's exactly what 
I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to improve their developmental opportunities, right? Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll read the, uh, the conclusion here. Uh, the results indicate that the residential green space may be beneficial for the intellectual and behavioral development of children living in urban areas. These findings are relevant for policymakers and urban planners to create optimal environment for children to develop to their full potential. And additionally, evidence shows that that green not only results in beneficial effect on cognitive and school performance, but also in improved psychological well-being with positive effects on emotions and behavior. And that's been the big push for the last five years, I guess. Yes. I mean, this this is specifically towards kids. Yes. But So, I mean, you start them when they're kids and it carries on exactly. hopefully forever. But even for, you know, everybody. Everybody needs to get out and re-energize, get out, right? Yeah, get yeah. out into the green and uh-huh. and energy and, yeah. and, you know, get back to nature and just, just re-energize. Exactly. So back in the day, like, you know, you see all these stupid memes that float around on Facebook, which I mostly ignore, but uh, it, oftentimes it's true. It's like anybody who, like, when I grew up, it was, we did a lot of outdoor stuff growing up. We were, it was like sunrise to sunset. It's like figure out, figure it out, make sure oh, you're yeah. home type thing. Right. Be but nowadays, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nowadays it's like kids are locked onto the TV playing yep. Xbox and PlayStation. And, and it's like, well, that's not really, it might build some sort of hand-eye coordination skill, but it's, you're not developing your mind. You're just yeah. learning a computer game and you're, you're really closing yourself off in the world. So I'm really going to, I hope I don't have to struggle too much. But I really want my kids to get out and develop and know the world and not know a computer game. Well, we have uh, a friend of ours, Johnny Stinson, and his son, Hiker. Hiker, Hiker yes. is what, 10? Yes, something, ten. 9. 9? Nine? 9. 9, 10, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. And, like, he's getting them out all the time. They actually did the a section of the meanest lake yes. up in Algonquin Park. Yeah. You know, they go on these canoe trips. They're out at the lakes. They're out here. They're all. I think Hiker's going to... Yeah. The way he's going, man, and he's yeah. just developing a love for the outdoors. And mm-hmm. when you can get your kids that young into that, into something, yeah, then because, yeah, Johnny and Hiker they do skimboarding a lot, and yeah. Hiker's always out playing in in, in the back area. They've they, you know they're they they're up back onto like a whole bunch of cornfields and stuff like that. So Hiker is exposed to green space constantly, yeah, and that he is also exposed to all these fun things like skimboarding and and canoeing and camping. Well, and they go uh, winter camping as well, yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that the developmental process, it's important and, and Johnny's doing the right thing. It's yeah. perfect for yeah. hiker. Well, right? we got to throw Kelly in there too. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Sorry, Kelly. It's not, not just Johnny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to get hate mail from, dude, you threw me under the bus. <laughs> she does it too. She's mad now. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you get, you get your kids in there and doing that. I mean, and like I say, I mean, at these ages and these, these, these studies are showing. Yeah. It helps them in all aspects. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if it helps them in school and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Maybe it'll help you at your job. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for behavioral and for developmental, it, it's it's important. See? And now there's a study that says get outside. It backs it up. There yep. you go. <laughs> the other thing that you came across, Mr. Googler, 
<laughs> well, you come and across is, you come across a little story. So this this yeah, one. Yeah, well, came, see, that's how I came across half my stuff. Yeah, let's just start googling. So, stuff. so this one, I wasn't really googling. I was just reading the news, and and uh, they were talking about the California wildfires are back, yeah. and and uh, California had uh, completed a study on the inhalation of uh, of uh, you know, particles from smoke. And so you get larger particles in forest fires. And so there's a lot more risk involved, right? So, and so with this here, uh, it was at the CDPH, California Department of Public Health. So they did a study and uh, they're talking about uh, taking lessons from, from, from what I got from it. So they're talking about wildfires. Yeah. But I'm bringing it down to my experience and my experience is campfires. Yeah. And, from my experience, like I camp often, but not that often. But I know a lot of people like Mark Rubino. He's out there all the time. Right. So he's exposed to campfire smoke all the time. And uh, just one of the things that kind of twigged my mind and made this even more interesting was uh, I managed to finally watch the final episode of Alone. And uh, and uh, Kylan... She was talking about her nose and the, how it, the BEM range are swollen. And, yep. and that's a concern when you're always exposed to campfire smoke. It swells membranes of your nose and there's concerns, right? So, I, get, I get that when I'm in the campfire constantly. I'll wake up the next morning and my sinuses are just burning. Yeah. And I get it with a, a sinus headache. Yeah. So I, from my perspective, until I kind of started reading this study from California... Like I always thought, oh, you know, it burns the eyes. White rabbit, white rabbit, white, you know, they make yeah. the smoke go away. And so it's like my eyes. It's always thinking my eyes. I don't think about my lungs. Yeah. I never thought about my lungs. And they talk about uh, particle size. So the larger particle size, was it uh, 2.5 micron, whatever, anything above 2.5 micron, your body rejects it. So that's when you're hacking up and, and spitting out all the whatever. Like, and, and so that comes up. But anything smaller becomes absorbed or sits there forever until eventually it'll come out. But that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that causes damage to the lungs. And so they're saying that, uh, like there's carbon monoxide, volatile organic, organic compounds, VOCs, carbon dioxide, hydrocarbons, and nitrogen oxides. So when you're inhaling those, those are going into your blood system, right? Mm -hmm. That's going into your body and you're absorbing that. So like the, the you know that like I was saying the natural defense mechanisms of the body anything larger than the uh, 2.5 particle size nanometers it's uh, your body spits that out you hack it up with phlegm but anything smaller it's like it, it's being absorbed it's causing problems getting into your blood so it's uh, it's one of those things where when it it gets into your lungs and it gets absorbs and it crosses across the oxygen layer where you gets into your blood you're absorbing those toxins, right? So it's like, oh, a nice campfire. It's like, oh, well, try not to inhale too much of the smoke. Right. Right? Now, granted, campfire smoke doesn't have the larger particles. It has a lot of the smaller particles, though. And so it's an, also a concern. It's like some people burn their garbage. It's like, do not inhale that stuff. That's carcinogens, yeah. right? Yeah. But with even with just wood smoke, you're you're talking about a lot of these carcinogens and a lot of these uh, these uh, things that are you're inhaling into your body around the campfire, and it's like it, it, I hadn't really thought about it, I, and it was it was, uh, and I don't know how I managed to find two studies in one week, but uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm st I'm still boggled that you actually got scientific. I mean, just reading, yeah, <laughs> but it. Uh, it's a concern overall is, is because the uh, the more damage you do to your lungs, the more you're at risk for 
catching the flu in the fall. All the viruses and that go around. Yeah, exactly. So, so your body is less, is more susceptible to, to getting sick because your, your lungs aren't as healthy as they could be or should be. Right. Mm -hmm. And this also, I guess should include smokers and so on. Right. Yeah. Because that's more constant, but like it's people like, uh, who do like guiding and stuff who are constantly exposed to smoke. I think they should be more cognizant of the hazards, right? It's uh, you know a lot it's of long term health issue. It is a long term health issue, especially if you're reducing your ability and your lung capacity due due to uh, campfire smoke and so on. Like if you are, have a cottage and you're constantly having, you know, going to the cottage for the summer, like going to be there two months, I'm going to have a campfire every day. It's like oh yeah, right. There's you got to start thinking. You about- should think about that, right? Yeah. A lot of people like back in the day, everybody smoked, and a lot more people are more aware of it nowadays. So a lot less people smoke. So people are more aware of the health hazards, but I, I think that this is, for me, it was a blind hazard. I never really thought that campfire wood smoke was that much of a hazard. See, I, I mean, number one, because I'm prone to the, the sinus headaches and stuff, I tend to stay away from the smoke. Yep. Like if it, I'll, I'll get up and move or leave or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Stand above the smoke layer. Yeah. And, and um, the other thing that's always been a biggie is the burning like you say burning your garbage yes because that smoke coming you're breathing whatever you've just burned yeah. mm-hmm. you know um sometimes it's like there's like a, some metal chunks in it or aluminum foil, whatever the heavy metals flying all that the stuff's air. coming around yeah. and the other thing is you know people cooking food over that smoke yeah that they've burned stuff in yeah is now on your food burn a, yeah exactly and now you're yeah. just in you, ingesting you've eaten, it. ingested it, and your, it's gone in your blood system yeah. that, that way mm-hmm. so yeah the the stuff from the campfires are dirty they are <laughs> and you don't I'm know i'm never having a campfire again <laughs> and you don't know what the previous person left in the fire pit yeah so you're starting a new fire it's like oh all clean wood i'm safe but yeah Not the previous guy you know buried his uh, breakfast oatmeal or the sausages from the night before or whatever so it's uh, it's one of those things. It's like you have to be cautious of oh yeah of being up upwind, stay upwind. Yeah, right. So it's uh, yeah. So if you're having your campfire, stay out of the smoke. Yes, because you know your happy day now could yeah you know. And if you do like burn a plastic bag or whatever, like I would advise bagging it out, taking it out to the proper disposal. But mm-hmm. some people do burn it. If you burn it, it may look like it's gone. But the uh, the primary smoke and and black smoke comes off as is done. But there's still the leftover uh, the residue that's residue always that burning. It's still burning. So let me ask you this: When you're out in the in the bush mm-hmm. and you're having your campfire, you've got all your garbage there from dinner. Mm-hmm. What do you burn and what do you pack? I would burn like leftover food. Mm-hmm. And burn it well. Like I do it right after supper so that when I have oh, to get a yeah. fire going, I want everything to burn up so there's nothing as an attractant. But I will, like plastics and and so on or whatever, it's it's that goes into a garbage bag and I bag it out, right? I, those uh, those plastic bags you get from Bogonkin Park, they're pretty thick. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there is, I always bring extra garbage yeah. bag. I Actually, I had a big green garbage bag there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I always have one of those in the thing. Uh, paper products I'll usually burn. I will burn paper I use them as, star- as fire starters. Yes, exactly. Right? I usually bring, like, pack up some paper or some cardboard and leave it in the side of the pack for a rainy day in case I need something. Yeah. And some t- often I'll take the paper and cardboard home again because it's like, oh, it was dry this week. I didn't need help with the starter, right? Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, yeah. Anything with metals, anything with plastics, yeah. all pack them out. Yeah, yeah. Always pack it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when I get to the really hot coals going, and because I cook over the, the fire a lot. Yes, yeah. Right? And then when everything's done cooking, I'll just remove the grill sort of thing and any leftovers like that, like yeah. food, like you say, they go right into those hot, hot, hot coals. Exactly. And then I mean, if you're having a fire for the next two hours. Yeah. There shouldn't you know, be anything left for to attract a bear. Yeah. 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 That's exactly the same thing I do. So, um, yeah. When you start getting at least two, two scientific studies in a know. week, buddy. Wow. <laughs> I didn't plan it that way. It just happened. Wow. Should we go on to the next one here? Because that's our... How many minutes that's are That's 55 at? minutes already. <laughs> do we want to do this one that we've been saving for three weeks? We could... Uh, Since we're on the old scientific sort of studies this week? Sure, you could save it to, for the next episode, or we could just make this one long. Let's just make this one Let, long. Let's get cause... a vote from the crowd. Okay, hands up, everybody. Who wants to listen to another topic? Oh, Ooh, there's, there's a, lot a lot of people, of people. with their hands up. Yeah. Okay. See I, from here. Yeah. <laughs> this has been sitting here for a while. This one actually, uh, I've had it for a couple of weeks now because of something we saw when we did our uh, Trent Severn yes run. And I mean, it goes it goes back farther than that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, invasive species. And this is something that everybody's aware of. It's like this is a long talked about history with uh, with uh, various invasive fish, zebra yeah. mussels, uh, plants, plants, algae, so on. And yeah. it, when when I read through this, that when you, I think you wrote this like a month ago. When I read through this, it's like, man, there's a lot, a lot yeah. of invasive species, like staggering. So, and you hear a lot of them like. There's uh, certain plants that are you find always along train tracks because trains used to, back in the early 1900s, all yeah. these trains would head out west and people would, uh, so people would come from England and Ireland and wherever and they would bring their favorite plants with them. So they'd bring them in and say, oh, I love this back in Ireland and they'd plant it and now that's an invasive species. You right. know, or, or people would like, hey, I need something unique for my garden. Hey, what do they have in Europe? I know, I'll bring that over. And so people not really thinking invasive species back in the 1800s, early 1900s, they caused a lot of the problems, but it's even been it's been made worse due to shipping and so on, like coming in on ballast yeah, oh yeah. and well, it was the old commercial. It's your friend, purple loosestrife, <laughs> which is you know everybody trying to get rid of it. Yeah, right. Um, when I was doing the Trent Severn Waterway, we came across one spot. We were trying to get around. I think it was a Fairy Island Lake. Uh, we figured, oh, we can cut out of the main channel. There's a little canoe river, yeah. really, that big boats can't get through, so it'll save us some some dodging. Mm-hmm. So we cut across there, but as we were getting to the entrance, there was these big signs about starry stonewort, an invasive, a very aggressive invasive algae. Yeah. So there was no entry allowed. Oh, I've never came across a sign like that before. These things are floating yeah. everywhere. So, and you can't miss these big signs oh, yeah? saying, do not enter this river because so, it's all this invasive. So they don't want you paddling through, picking it up and carry it and on. And carrying through. it onwards. Mm-hmm. It's very aggressive. Yeah. Um, so Lake Simcoe, which is just north of Toronto, mm-hmm. 
berries on eight, Simcoe. Yeah, 18 species of native aquatic plants and three invasive species, huh. right? And unlike native species, the invasive ones can wreak havoc on the lake. Um, and, and, and it affects the species, the diversity, the changing shallow water habitats, stuff like that. So this starry stone wart uh, was in Lake Simcoe 10 years ago. They only found it 10 years ago. It's continued to spread. It's doubled, it doubles its amount every two days. What? Very aggressive. Forming dense cloud-shaped mats that do not respond to any herbicides. Wow. Yeah. Uh, any herbicides used to kill off other aquatic plants only serves to give starry stonewort a greater opportunity to take over. No more competition. Yeah. So what you're trying to kill it with may kill other things, and that just empties it out. Huh. Uh, aggressive microalgae native to Eurasia. And the microalgae is a collective term for seaweeds. Yeah. And like seaweeds on the coast, starry stormwort is likely to wash up on your shoreline. So it's the seeds that are starry? Is that why it gets yeah. its name? Yeah. There's these little module pods on yeah. it that are star-shaped huh. sort of thing. So, yeah. And it, it develops branches up to two meters in length, water depths of up to two to two to ten meters. Wow. So it's all along the shore, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're bringing your boat up. You're picking it and up. And you're picking it all up, right? Your prop gets in there, chops it all exactly. up, gets in your prop, you take it. Um, it outcompetes other aquatic plants, harming habitat for fish, wildlife, reducing cover for and food sources. And the dense mats can also impact boating, swimming, and other recreational activities. Hmm. It arrived in the St. Lawrence River in 1978 and likely made its way to Simcoe through the Trent Severn Waterway, which is exactly where we found it. Yeah. Fragments of stony stonewort. Star, stony. Stony star, star, blah, blah, blah. starry stonewort. Starry stonewort. <laughs> and I've been saying it 15 different ways since yeah. I saw the signs. Uh, it can get tangled in trailers, motors, anchors, inside watercrafts. Uh, it can stick to anchors, ropes, fabric, footwear. These small fragments are enough to start new growth and allow the algae to spread quickly. Wow. So something you pick up on your on your water shoe. Yeah. If it falls off, you know, three miles away. It's a new. It's enough to start. Hmm. A little fragment is enough to start a whole thing. And yeah, harvesting and herbicides have no, little to no impact. Does it grow so fast? Because it grows so and fast. you can't yeah. pick it all. You nope. can't herb. You can't poison it out. No, and yeah, you're just killing everything else. So if it gets tangled in your props, don't disentangle and throw back into the water. Uh, it just continues to spread. Dispose of it away from the water on land and ensure all boats, motors, trailers, fishing gear are cleaned, drained, dried before moving to a new location. Hmm. Right, and that was one of the big things when zebra mussels yeah. came in. Before you take that, but if you're, you know, you're, you're in Lake Ontario, when you take your boat out and go home, wash your boat mm-hmm. before you then head up to Simcoe or Algonquin or Tomogamy or yeah. farther north sort of thing, because you could have those little microscopic zebra mussels yeah. 
clinging onto the side of your boat. So what it is is, uh, and we talk about these at work all the time. It's uh, the I can't I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but we call them villagers, v e l v e l i g e r s. Okay. So they're spores. So the uh, the zebra mussels puts out these little spores, and if the conditions are right, right oxygenation and right temperature, these things will grow anywhere. And so because they're spores. They can get into the tiniest pipework mm-hmm. and end up clogging filters and strainers and and so on, right? So it's a it's a multi billion dollar expensive. Like we at the power plant, we spend a lot of money to clear this stuff out, right? Every uh, every two years, we have uh, divers come in and clear out all the intakes and and so on. It's it's expensive. Like we end up with uh, with piles and piles. It looks like a gravel pit by the time they're done pulling up yeah. all the zebra mussels that they've scraped off and peeled off. And you know, it's uh, it's uh, it costs the the industries across all of the Great Lakes. It's a multi billion dollar industry for clearing it, cleaning it up. It's people's well, entire we, careers. When we were in the locks, some of the locks. The, I mean, on the walls, yeah. yeah, yeah. The complete wall is. Yeah, you know, like a stucco ceiling. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's all zebra mussels, and they're sharp too. Yeah. They cut oh you. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are over four hundred and forty invasive species in Ontario, land and water. Yeah, that's incredible. Four hundred and forty invasive <laughs> aquatic plants such as yellow iris, yellow floating heart, wind, uh, water soldier, water lettuce, fairwort, hydrilla, Eurasian water mil- milfoil, Brazilian elodea. European frog bit, European water chestnut, parrot feather, and water hyacinth. Hmm. Those are just some of the, the plants. And then when you get into the invasive species, the fish, the Xander, the Wells catfish, sea lampreys, stone Morocco, uh, Asian carps. And that's one of the most. Yeah. yeah you hear the and, so Asian carp and northern snakehead, you hear about those a lot lately. Which yeah. one is it that can crawl over land? Is that the is Asian that carp? The, uh, no, I think that's the snakehead. Isn't the Asian carp the one that jumps? I don't know. One of them actually yeah. crawls from pond to pond over land. If it's not um, too far. The rainbow smelt, tube nose goby, the round goby I know is in the uh, Lake Ontario and stuff. Catch that down towards, well, I've seen them caught uh, down Port Dalhousie and stuff through yeah. St. Catharines. Uh, tench, rud, goldfish. Hmm. Uh, Eurasian rough. I wonder if the, any of these are edible. I mean, I Asian don't. carp, I think people. Well, the smell might be. Yeah. The carp, I don't know. I would think so. Because if these could be Catfish. turned into a major source of food, it would uh, help reduce the populations, right? Mm-hmm. If you could, uh, you could aim for geared up towards catching these specific ones. Yeah. Zebra mussels and quagga? Quagga. Quagga mussels. Yeah. Freshwater bivalves native to the Black Sea region of Eurasia. Both believed to have been introduced in the late 1980s by ballast water from transoceanic ships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did it, you know, the colonization also responsible for clogging intake structures, like we said with the power plants and stuff like that. Zebra mussels found throughout the Great Lakes, Lake St. Clair, and the Mississippi River. Unlike zebra mussels, quagga mussels are found to be limited to the southern Great Lakes. So I don't like the cold. I'm thinking. And zebra and quagga mussels filter water to the point where food sources such as plankton are removed, altering the food web, which is the big, yeah, big thing, right? So it alters the food web. There's not enough small food mass for all the fish and bugs and whatever eat. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the problem that it clears, it filters the water. The little suckers are just 
little filtration machines. Oh, yeah. And so it makes the water more clear, more sunlight gets under the lake bed, and more weeds grow. Right. So, of course, all this affects recreational activities, yeah. swimming and stuff like that, when you step on a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. So help stop the spread of invasive species. Number one, inspect your boat and equipment after each use. Remove all plants, animals, and mud before moving to a new water body. And I mean, this is like kayaks, canoes, stand-up paddle boards, exactly. all of it, right? Yeah. Drain water from boat wool on land. So yeah, if you're getting some bits in there, drain it up on land yeah. as opposed to in the water because yeah. that way it's not going right back in the water. Clean all recreational equipment with a high-pressure wash or hot water or let it dry in the sun for at least five days. Mm-hmm. The spores will die. Yeah. If you want to find out some information, go to invadingspecies.com. It's an Ontario Invading Species Awareness Program on, online there. Edmaps, edmaps.org backslash Ontario. There's an app for iPhone and Android. The Edmaps Ontario app allows you to submit invasive species observations directly. So if you find this, say you found this, uh, starry stormwort somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can go report on the it. app yeah. and report, I'm here, yeah. boom, this is where I found it. You become part of the data collection program so yeah. that it can, you can better monitor the spread of a lot of these invasive species. So maybe there's a, a lake up by North Bay that nobody knew that these things were in and you see it, you report it on the app, and then it's it's easier to track and and be aware of the spread of a lot of these invasive species if you can you report it on the app. And it helps with uh, with future campaigns to reduce or find a way to stop the spread of these invasive species. Well, this particular app, when you report something, yeah. the report is uploaded and emailed directly to verifiers. Okay. So they can then go out and check. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, look, this, there's all this such happening Such and such here. a lake and, yeah. Uh, they do have the app available for other areas, not just Ontario. Yeah. So you can check that out. If you want, just go into Google and Google aquatic invasive species and put in your province and state or province or state um, to find about invasive species in your local paddling area. Uh, so they, yeah, like that's what I do. I just put in aquatic invasive species, Ontario. Uh, I did it for Manitoba. I did it for like Idaho and stuff like that. And everybody seems to have a link to what's invasive in your yeah. province or state and, and different programs and stuff like that. But yeah, you know what? These these things come over. I mean, they're here. The best we can do is try to stop the, the spread and, uh, you know, making sure you're not hauling it from one water body to another. Exactly. Is the best that we yeah. can do. Everybody so. has to do their part. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. Look at that. This is like a scientific show today, <laughs> except for my trip up north. I mean, yeah. we're getting campfires and we're getting kids outside being smart and yeah. getting invasive species. We're using our smarticle particles <laughs> this week. Yeah. Awesome. How are your sprouts doing? Oh, yes. Uh, so the sprouts are doing well. We I uh, took them out of the bottles. They're in the fridge now. We've been eating away. So one is a spring mix and one is a, I can't remember what they called it, but I tr- I started with mixes at first. Yeah. So I have, you know, the alfalfa and this, that, the other thing. But this year, these are mixes with about five or six different types of seeds in each. And one of them is like spicy. Oh, yeah? Like when you're eating it, it's like, oh, So you're it's actually good. eating them already? Oh, yes. yes. How long have you been eating them for? 
since Sunday. So you're not dead. A couple yet, days. So, yeah. <laughs> no, not yet. Wow. Yeah, gave them a good rinse. Got rid of because there's uh, all the hulls and husks come off the seeds and float to the okay. top. So you scoop those out, and then you give them a good rinse and uh, stick them in the fridge to stop the growth. And uh, yeah, we I've been making salads out of them. It's uh, I tried it on. So I did a uh, fried egg, avocado, and sprout sandwich on Sunday. Yeah. An avocado sprout. And fried egg. And fried egg sandwich. Well, I do avocado and fried egg a lot, but I did, never had sprouts. So I wasn't so good with the sprouts, but I did do a couple salads with sprouts. What a waste of a perfectly good egg. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they make a good sprouts. salad. And I, like I've been just munching on them just by themselves because the uh, the one that has the uh, the broccoli and such in it, it's uh, it's got a nice spicy tang to it. Yes, so I've been spicy. <laughs> So they've they've been pretty good, so it's uh, I'm excited. I'm about to uh, the, we're we're going through the first batch. Like they uh, produced a lot, like two tablespoons. I put them in the bottle and grow them. It's like oh, that's not very much. It's like oh that bottle's full. Really? So, yeah, it's like one of those large mason jars that we put it in, right? So it's so uh, you get a bigger bucket. Yeah, but how much can you eat? So it's uh, we're still trying to come up with ideas of how to consume them. Smoothies. That's Avocado, an idea. Avocado, sprout, carrot. There you go. Smoothie. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. You that try it, good. and we'll see if you die yeah. or not. <laughs> and if it's, if it's tasty, I'm yeah. still not going to eat any. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's turned out pretty good. It's like we're enjoying it. It's kind of fun. Uh, Stella's kind of picked at them, but uh, and you know, tasted them, and she doesn't mind them. But Beckett won't even look at them. I, I knew I liked He's that like that boy. No way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, boy. he'll have none of that. Stick we, to your guns, Beckett. <laughs> we have to put it in ice cream or something for him to for him to eat them. <laughs> Sprout ice cream. That's goes in your smoothie. There you go. <laughs> right? It's a chocolate avocado. <laughs> Carrot, yeah, spray pickle smoothie. <laughs> get rid of the goodness, but uh, sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, as long as it's getting because you know, and then you can say, Yes, I had my vegetables, I've had my vegetables, huh? <laughs> they were right under all that ice cream and apple pie. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, it, it has turned out quite well. We, we were enjoying them. Well, it's a good experiment, for, like a science experiment for the kids too, right? Well, the kids get to see it. They get, they get to see the growth. They get to see the seed split and, mm-hmm. and produce the little tiny white worms of the, well, that's what they call them. Oh, yeah. oh, white worms. It's like, no, they're sprouts. They're baby plants. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's worked out really well. I'm Excellent. Excited. Excellent. <laughs> Let me know when you're growing those beef sprouts. Yes, I know. I, I got to look into that. <laughs> got to look into it. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, that's all I got. That's it. It's a good week. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I meant to mention the sprouts at the first of the episode, but didn't. I forgot about them. Yeah. I tend not to remember that. Sort when of I was thinking of the sprouts when you were talking about your camping trip. I was like, oh, I forgot to mention sprouts. I see. That's why you need to write notes down. Yes, I know. I should do that. <sighs> You've only been doing this, what, almost five years now. Yeah. Figure you click in by now. Guess not. I don't like taking notes. We'll just put that idea up work. on our bookshelf. <laughs> Ooh, those sprouts fell off the bookshelf. Imagine that. Um, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can find us uh, these episodes on the episode page at BattlingAdventuresRadio.com. All 238 of them now. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And I think that is it. Uh, good to talk to you this week, Derek. We'll see you next week. And No, not next week. Oh, yes, yes, next yes, week. Yes, we'll see you next it's week, week, but not the following that. week. Yeah. And when you're not here, I think we're going to have Alan Drummond here to talk awesome. about his kayaking trip through Lake Superior. I've been seeing his photos. Punch Holy him. cow. It's awesome trip. I know. I'm going to punch him because of that. Well, because you always have storms, and he's I play sunny, beautiful sunsets. And you know what? He's got the margaritas going, yeah. the Jimmy Buffett going up there, and I got the Edmund Fitzgerald when I'm up there. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to smack him. Yeah. <laughs> Just because. Yeah, know. he's he's had fantastic weather. Yeah. Like, they've got they've done a ton of evening paddles, and you've had a lot, ton of evening storms. Yes. <laughs> See? Me taking the storms gives them the night weather. There you go. You guys are, you're welcome. <laughs> Alrighty, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.